And we want to apologize to all you folks because you know what? Life happened this past week for both of the Anthony's. Yes, it did. (laughs) So we missed you this week, but the Crosstown Baseball Show is back after an unexpected one-week hiatus, and we have a lot to discuss today. And joining me, as always, to talk all things Cubs and Sox baseball is Anthony Romanelli. Romanelli, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, Like you said, crazy week. Um, Just keeps getting crazier. But uh, needed this hour. I can't wait to talk all things Cubs, all things Sox, to escape and talk about the important things in life like baseball. Absolutely. And we have a lot of important things to discuss today. We um, are going to be talking about Mike Clevenger's investigation being wrapped up. We'll talk about that here shortly. Um, We have spring training games that have been underway for a little bit now. So we're going to talk about some rule changes. We're going to talk about Romanelli showing off his 2016 World Series Cup our glass right there. That's actually really nifty. It is. I got it as a gift for Christmas years ago. I like that. That's sleek. And folks, you can actually see it if you are watching us on YouTube. Um, So please, um, if you go to YouTube, you can see all of our shows, see uh, both of our shining faces. Every time we do a show, just subscribe on YouTube and make sure you like um, every show that you watch there. And if you're an audio person, you, of course, can find our podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. So um, we do have a lot of spring training happenings to talk about Romanelli um, in a little bit. We'll talk about... um, you know, standouts in spring training. We'll talk about some things to watch now that games are underway. We'll definitely talk um, how the rules have played out in games um, up to this point. But I do have one little Crosstown Baseball Show announcement that I would love to share with the listeners. And that is about a new partner that we have called Playback. So Playback is really exciting, folks. If you hadn't heard uh, about Playback, they are essentially a a new organization out there where they are allowing uh, content creators like us to have watch parties with our viewers, with our listeners. So what that means for us is as partners to Playback, uh, we will be having baseball watch parties, watching Cubs games, watching Sox games with you where you can join our watch party you can hear us talking about the game as the game's going on and you can join in on the conversation so we are very excited to do that i mean i just am excited to watch a game with the folks who listen to us every week yep cannot wait it's going to be something new and exciting Uh, ultimately our goal is to grow our viewership during those playback uh telecasts uh, to where we're watching with not one or two people or three or four, but hundreds or thousands uh, ultimately is our goal. Uh, by the time it's all over, we're hoping to get some form of a sponsorship together with them, mm-hmm. uh, continue to take our uh, show to the next level. We already have one sponsorship that we'll talk about later, not today, but in the, the future. But this is our next big step. We're really excited. Absolutely. And uh, get ready for an announcement on when that first playback watch party will be. Um, Just to give you a little bit of a preview, how it works is we're essentially going to throw out a link and you'll know, of course, when we're going to have that watch party together. And you will go ahead and click on the link. Um, As long as you have access to, like, for example, NBC Sports, uh, NBC Sports Chicago for Sox games or Marquee for Cubs games, um, you can log on to your internet or, you know, uh, provider, whether it's like a streamer, like a YouTube or Hulu or something, if you have access to that stuff. You just hop on our, our watch party, you log in your provider and you're watching the game with us and getting in on the action, which is pretty awesome. Um, you can, you can do it on your computer. Yes. You can, you can do it on your phone. You can do it do on you, your I feel like, phone. like a, a, an old time school com, uh, or an old time, an old school commercial. Do you have one of these? <laughs> Then you can do this. Yeah, right. And that's that's more like the 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 commercials that are on at two or three in the morning. That the right. the ones where you're up late, maybe intoxicated, buying way too expensive things <laughs> that you don't need. So yeah, do you have one of these? Oh, that's funny, um, folks. Before we get into spring training stuff today, uh, big update actually on the White Sox side of things. Um, we have talked many a times on this show about the off-field situation going on with Mike Clevenger, where um, where one of the mothers of his kids, um, there, uh, 
there were allegations for the mothers of one of the mothers of his kids that he engaged in domestic violence and child abuse. So um, that investigation MLB shared is concluded. And I do want to share kind of the MLB statement as well as um, Mike Clevenger's statement. So the MLB did say um, that the comprehensive investigation included interviews of more than 15 individuals in addition to Mr. Clevenger and the complainant, as well as a review of available documents such as thousands of electronic communication records. The Office of the Commissioner has closed this investigation and, barring the receipt of any new information or evidence, the Office of the Commissioner will not be imposing discipline on Mr. Clevenger in connection with these allegations. As part of the path forward, Mr. Clevenger has voluntarily agreed to submit to evaluations by the Joint Treatment Boards under the collectively bargained policies and to comply with any of the board's recommendations. MLB will continue to make support services available to Mr. Clevenger, his family, and other individuals involved in the investigation. And then through the MLB Players Association, Clevenger had this to say, I had nothing to hide and cooperated fully with MLB. This situation has been stressful for my family and I thank them for their strength and support. I asked everyone not to rush to judgment until MLB's investigation was concluded. And I appreciate everyone who had faith in me, including the White Sox organization and my teammates. I'm looking forward to the 2023 season and helping the White Sox win a championship this year. So Romanelli, it looks like this, at least from a baseball perspective, is concluded and pushed aside. And Mike Clevenger will be pitching for the 2023 White Sox. What are your thoughts after hearing these statements from the MLB and from Mike Clevenger? I think if what the, the what MLB says is true regarding the thorough investigation and the thousands of electronic uh, communications, those you can't hide. You can't hide those. Anything on text, anybody can see at any given time. If they've gone through the thousands, as they say, and they can't find anything, uh, then I'm, you know, happily going to side with Clevenger. Um, I, you have to, um, whether you like it or not, it, ultimately at the beginning, I think he'll get the booze. He mm -hmm. will. Uh, but I do believe that, uh, they'll dissipate fairly quickly based on the fact that MLB has, and I believe MLB actually, um, that they've done the thorough investigation, uh, and I, and I think what took the scales for me was the electronic communications, that they've gone through thousands of electronic communications. Again, you can't take something like child abuse or uh, physical abuse to a, a, another person lightly. And if they've gone through that many texts and that many emails and that many communications uh, and they found nothing, because that stuff pops up like that. So, you know, congratulations to the MLB for doing a thorough job. That's nice to hear, to be completely honest with you. I'm excited for Clevenger. I remember when they picked him up and how excited I was for the White Sox. Like, that's a good pickup, man. Mm -hmm. Just did. Um, and now, hopefully, uh, everybody puts it behind them. And I do think that they will sooner than later, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And I think the first or second time he gets out there and, uh, you know, throws, just begins throwing with for the team, I think it'll, I think it should dissipate fairly quickly. And and it's a good, it's good to remind everyone, too, that, and, you know, I'm seeing a lot of talk out there, White Sox, Twitter, the, the you know, the court of public opinion. Um, this isn't necessarily the court of public opinion, nor is it an actual court. This was obviously not pursued as a criminal case. This was handled by MLB. It's not a criminal investigation. It is a MLB, a organizational or um, uh, 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 investigation. So um, I, I just want us to keep in mind that, you know, I, I think, partially there's some people out there that are like, okay, well, doesn't mean that it couldn't have happened and they just didn't find anything. Could, could be, but there's also the baseball part of it. And I know you feel the same way as I, Romanelli, like I'm just tired of hearing about it. And I just first and foremost want that, that young lady and that child to make sure that they're okay. And they're getting the support they need, no matter what is the result of the MLB investigation. But on the stats, you know, numero uno, but right after that, I'm really excited to just not talk about it and get onto baseball because that's why we're here. I do think Mike Clevenger has the potential to have a, a turnaround season. And as long as those folks are taken care of, and if Mike needs the help and he's getting the help he needs, then let's play ball. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. 
So wanted to make sure we all uh, we addressed that update and shared some details on the Mike Clevenger situation with everybody. But let's dive into the goods and talk about spring training because spring training has been going on. You know, obviously we missed a week. It's been going on. Games have been going on for a week now. And the I, before we even get into any spring training talk, Romanelli, I think there's there's always this debate every March, every time you know this time of the year where it's like. Does spring training matter? Do the stats matter? What do they really mean? You know, does spring training count per se? So, I, I mean, what do you think? Like when you're going through spring training and you're seeing guys perform well, underperform, you know, uh, it'll really stand out folks. I mean, is that all important or is it meaningless to you? I would say eyebrows go up and down based on individual performances for anyone on the fringe. Example. Everybody was super high on morale. He's done nothing. Mm. Everybody thought David Bodie was done. He's hitting 665 <laughs> in spring training as of yesterday. 665. So you've got Rios hitting the ball all over the place. You, you've got, I'm not hearing much about Cody Bellinger, nor have I seen much mm. with uh, relating to Bellinger, so I'm a little concerned there. Um, Wisniewski is pitching out of his mind right now. He's yeah. going to end up – yeah, right now he's going to be your number five. I would think. If he, if he stays the way he is. Uh, I think for everybody else, for your for your Swansons and your Haps and, and uh, Nico, I think it's, it's you get your work in and you're done. But I think – uh, does it matter? I think for the fringe guys, it does, including Patrick Wisdom. I, I don't believe still. I know he's got the job, and I know it's his to lose, but I still don't have the faith in him yet. I have more right now, numbers alone and, and talk alone and buzz alone. Wisniewski's name keeps coming up over and over and over, and his numbers are proving it. Um, and Bodie's numbers are ridiculous. I think, I think Bodie's crash last year may to me it might very well be what happened to ian happ he crashed ian happ crashed when he came back he was better and he became a perennial gold glove winner mm. so maybe just maybe Bodie makes the squad well I, I agree with all you say there and i think to reiterate you know those fringes do matter when you have guys trying to make a squad i mean the only way that you can make a, a, a squad in the spring training is performing. So for those folks, it absolutely does matter. And and I, I I like to approach it as once we get to opening day, the slate's clean. I care about what you do from March 30th forward. And not to say that I don't care what happens in spring. I think it is all important. But there are there are, there are guys, and we'll talk about a few of these guys, particularly from, from my Sox perspective, guys that – you go into a, an offseason, you go, wow, they really struggled. They need to make adjustments. They need to change the delivery. They need to change the way they approach an at-bat. And you go into spring, and you do legitimately see in these games some of those changes in approach, and they pay off in at-bats. So um, there are a few guys I'm sure we're going to talk about today that you see that approach change in which spring training is very valuable. You know, I care more about – I don't care as much about stats. I care as much about – when we get to March 30th, are you ready to have productive at-bats to, you know, put your best self on the mound and be able to pitch 100% and to stay healthy above all else? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that, too, because there's already a bunch of this old shit show when it comes to health already. Um, and thankfully, it's not on the socks. I'm just going to take that as a victory. <laughs> I know, I know. We're getting, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> so before we talk about that, um, there have been these rule changes, right? So um, one of the bigger rule changes that's getting a lot of buzz so far in spring training because it is happening live is the pitch clock. Now, as a reminder, the pitch clock was implemented by MLB to speed up the game, whereas games were three, four hours uh, last year. Games in spring training are clocking in at two hours, 30 minutes, and two hours, 45 minutes, kind of in that range. And what has happened is now in these games, the pitchers have 15 seconds to pitch the ball to the batter when bases are empty and 20 seconds when there's a runner on. So you've seen some games. We both watched some games so far this spring, just from a, 
a TV viewing standpoint, what are some of your observations and how do you think it's going so far? It's going okay. I think overall the adjustment has been made or is being made, not has been, but is being made. Um, I still don't like it. Really? Um, here's why. It is a chess match. Baseball is a chess match. Stepping in and out of the box is a chess match. You're going to wait. I'm going to pitch. You're going to you're going to pitch, and I'm not ready. It, there has to be give and take. The the twenty second thing or the fifteen second idea, in theory, is nice. However, the cat and mouse game in baseball is what true baseball players I believe or fans love about the game. I think you're taking some of that away. Um, because I don't know, it's what I love. It, it, I don't care about the additional time. I understand it, but you're like, well, now they're down to two and a half hours versus, you know, versus three hours. So part of me, the, the old school part of me is like, well, then there are, you know, then there's no movies that can be more than three hours. So like Schindler's List, no, that's not, it can't happen. Sorry. Three hours is the limit, you know? Um, the, the second, you know, going to second base still, I don't mind the bigger bases. That's fine. Uh, because if you're going to slide over it, you're going to slide over it. I don't care if it's 15 or 18 inches, uh, but the pitch clock thing, it does, it, it bugs me a little still. Um, and if you saw what happened with Max Scherzer, uh, he went from absolutely cruising to two infractions in the same with the same batter, I believe, mm. or two back-to-back batters, and ended up completely unraveling and gave up, and they were unearned. But his mental state allowed him to unravel, which led to seven unearned runs. And, yeah. and, and that, and for, for a guy who throws 200-plus strikes, or 200 strikes a year, 200, I'm sorry, 200 strikeouts a year, over 200 strikeouts a year, he's one of the best. He just is. He's one of the meanest, cruelest pitchers to face. I wouldn't want to face him. Mm. Um, and to to get him angry, no thank you. Uh, but to throw him off his game, sure. But but when he adjusts, it's going to be fine. Like, overall, I think it's fine. I do. I think I'm in the minority that think, like, and it's not the whole, like, like old man, like, get off my lawn. Not that kind of. <laughs> Are, sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, maybe a little. But, like. <laughs> I don't think that that time, like people aren't getting up and like leaving in the, the middle of a sixth inning. If the game is long, they're not, people just aren't. If it's Wrigley in April and it's 37 degrees, no one's staying the whole game. Yeah. That, it's, and that That's what bothers me. So I, so there's a part that I agree with you. And there's a part where I actually disagree. I, I agree with you. And this is coming from two, obviously huge baseball fans. I can sit at a ballpark and watch a game for five, six hours. Like, I don't care. Like, that's just, it, we love doing that. And, you that's know, what I want to do. I want to retire and watch baseball for the rest of my life. Correct. Correct. Sign me up for that. But I, I look at it as I do value when you look at the shift changes and when you look at the pitch clock and the bases all together, I, I want to see more action. Like, if I'm going to go to a game, I don't care if I'm sitting there for two hours or five hours, I want to see the ball in play. I don't want three true outcomes. I don't want to strike out a walk or home run every single time. And, Right. And then I, I think about that, and I think about also just the growth of the game. Like, we both know this generation is instant gratification, doesn't want to wait for a lot of things. Like, if, if you had to have me choose between the games can stay how they are and they are long, but the game may not grow, or, hey, Anthony, the game is going to continue to grow and thrive, but it's only going to be a two-and-a-half-hour game, I'll take the two-and-a-half-hour game if it means this, this sport is growing and continuing to thrive. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, the, so we're, ta- are we talking pitch count or pitch clock still or pitch? So general? any, any of the rules that, that really piqued your interest, I, I think the pitch clock did more than anything for me because you are starting to see these players getting used to this rhythm, getting used to the timing. There have been a number of infractions already here, here in the spring, but um, I guess more than anything, what makes it interesting, uh, at least I think, is 
now with this pitch clock, clock in play, these games are moving a lot faster. Um, and it is forcing batters to stay in the box, to swing at a pitch you traditionally maybe wouldn't have swung at before. Like it, we're seeing this in game and the results have been very interesting. Yes. I think what the pitch clock will help the game do is what Major League Baseball wants. And they don't realize this <clears throat> is score more runs, which is actually going to lead to longer games. You watch. Mm. You watch. I'm telling you. Because yeah. because it's because it's because I said to you it's cat and mouse. Well, the cat's got his cheese and you know, or the, the mouse has his cheese and the cat has his little play toy when that clock <laughs> is is only this long. So they both have what they want. So that ball's going to be coming more often. If that pitcher doesn't adjust as well, the games are going to be longer, or I'm sorry, the, the scores will be higher and the games will be just as long. You watch. That's interesting. Well, we'll see if that if that holds true. I almost want to guarantee it. Oh, geez, that's bold. I know, I know. So, you know, like, well, anyway. Well, you, you said something interesting before. You said you liked the kind of the, the chess match between the batter and the pitcher. And nor ordinarily, I would totally agree with you. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't like the chess match where it's like, oh, I'm playing chess, but I'm going to go pick up lunch, and then I'm going to go visit here. And then do it's like it literally sometimes is like two minutes of time between pitches. And even I am at the game like, what the hell are we doing here? Can we speed this up? Like, are you like, come on, can we pitch with some urgency? I mean, that it does get a little carried away sometimes with, with certain pitchers. It does. It does sometimes. And and I that I understand. Um or or I, or do you remember when Nomar would step out of the box and go like yeah, whatever his, the hell yeah. it took like ten minutes? Like what are we doing? His o, yeah, his O C D. Yeah. Um yeah, his pretty hardcore O C D. Yeah. Um, yeah. um and remember he was supposed to be one of the saviors for the Cubs. Mm, yeah, tell me more um, about that. Yeah. Uh but what was I gonna say? Um no, I think it's an interesting move. I do think it will help the game. I, I'm cautious, cautiously optimistic that it will help the game. But I do think, and the other part to this is this, the thing that I like that they implemented is the no shift anymore. Mm. Um, because now you're going to see pure hitters hit. Um, and And again, which will allow for higher averages, higher on base percentages, a guy like Schwarber who pulls the ball constantly, isn't going to, he's those balls that never got through half of them are going to get through the same with Hayward and the Dodgers who apparently has been tearing the cover off the ball. Funny how you that see works. The highlights? Yeah. Funny how that you, works. See, you, can, you can see, well, here's what pisses me off. You can see that the pitching coach for the Dodgers is actually specific is, is actually working with them because you can see, his elbow is up higher. You can see the angle of his of his uh, bat and the angle of his elbow. It's different, and he is just again right now. It's early. Who knows when he gets tired and older? But but his pitching coach is doing a better job than the current Cubs pitching coach did. Just just for shits and gigs right now, because now that we're mm -hmm. talking about him, he is batting three thirty three. And he has 12 at-bats, and in those 12 at-bats, he's got four hits, two home runs, two RBIs. So there you go. Half of his hits are what? <laughs> home runs. Well, we have two, yeah. two home runs. So two of the 12, um, two walks, no strikeouts. Zero strikeouts. No strikeouts. What? Um, it's not even – it was never the strikeouts. For him, it was the same ground ball to second base for that's, 98. It, like it was a – that was a no-brainer. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, just another grounder to second. The question was, will it will it get through or will it not? Well, you're talking about balls getting through. I want to go back to the shift for a second. One of the things that I was very curious to see, which we're already seeing, is how managers and coaching staffs are working away around working their way around those rules. So, for those of you who don't know, the shift or the new shift rules are: you always have to have two infielders to the right of second base and to the left of second base. So your first baseman and second baseman need to stay on the dirt to the right of second base. And then the shortstop and the third baseman have to stay on the dirt to the left of second base. 
Um, and really, the outfield is a free-for-all. Well, because the outfield's a free-for-all, we have people, we have teams in spring training who are taking their left fielder, or just for sake of video, left fielder, moving them to essentially right behind the second baseman in the grass, which would have been your traditional shift. So I, we'll see how that plays out. Boston found the loophole. But, yeah. It was Boston. It was. It, it was. was. It was. It was Boston that found that loophole. Um, however, if you get a, let's say, let's say a guy like Hap, who's a switch hitter, and they they pull the shift on Hap, and Hap knows how to take it to left field. Yeah, and we talked about that because once he learned that even though I'm a lefty naturally. Um, when I bat lefty, the way Wrigley Field works is I'm better off pulling the ball to left field. So if they shift over half, he can poke it into left field. And ultimately, a buddy of mine mentioned this on my Facebook page, guys with speed can end up with triples or inside the park home runs. So um, I think that that's a very risky move to move your outfielder. It's one thing to move your infielder. It's a different thing to move your outfielder because guys can put the ball up in the air almost easier because that's how they play now. They don't play for hits. They play for home runs. Yeah. Well, no, that's a great point. And I'll just add to that is if you're going to make a shift like that, you better hope it works. And you better hope that your two remaining outfielders are quick and get to the ball yeah. and have great reads and first steps. Like you can, yep. you cannot do that with subpar uh, outfielders. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't ask Cody Bellinger for the Cubs to cover left field. He's 37. <laughs> And again, 37 is not old, but 37 is baseball old. Wait, Cody Bellinger is not 37. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Or is he 32? Yeah, wait, what are you talking about? No, hold on. 37. No, he's 27. Bellinger? Yes. <laughs> I was so confused when you said that. He's Yeah, he's a youngin'. He's a baby. I'm older than him, if you could believe that. 27. Where did I get 37? I don't know. Maybe it was the seven that tripped you up. Must be. Maybe um, it's this water. But maybe it didn't have water. Okay. Um, but, but you do have, going back to the main point, you do have a point, right? Like Bellinger, yes, he's a, he is an above average outfielder, but he's not going to get, he's not going to have that much range at the end of the day to cover two outfield spots. So you just have to be careful with that, with that alignment. Yeah. I, I think, I think Boston, and, and actually, if I was Boston, that's something you hold in your back pocket all season until, until the playoffs. Why would you dare show your cards? And I, it, this is, this again, this is the cat and mouse game that I'm already playing in spring training. Yeah. Okay? In my mind, ooh, I found a loophole. But don't say shit. Right. Don't say anything to anybody until the playoffs when everybody would freak out and somebody's looking through the rule book and there's nothing and there's nothing anybody can do. Well, I'll tell you what, these, these are smart baseball guys and gals. And I do suspect before spring training is out, we'll see many other teams experiment with the rules. So I think the, the, the Red Sox secret is one that will not last long by any stretch of the imagination. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that, that's exactly my point is they should have waited. <laughs> at least, at least like a couple days. Like, come on, wait till the wait till the season starts. Oh, wait till you're playing that. the Yankees. Wait till you're playing the Yankees, and just just to piss off the Yankees. God, I'm all for pissing off the Yankees. Um, right. All right, let's roll into some spring training stuff because a lot has happened in camp um, in the last week, and I want to start with the Cubs. And you know, one of the things I hate about spring training is that some people go into it and just don't survive it and they come out injured and on the other end. And we were both so excited. Even I, as a Cubs fan, or a Sox fan, was so excited to see what Seiya Suzuki was going to do. And he um, has an oblique strain, and he is not going to be ready for opening day. You have to be just frustrated. Not only am I frustrated, but the idea of him having ultimately put on all that weight to become – the perennial hitter we were hoping for. Um, and now that oblique strain is going to, is it going to be, is it going to be a nagging issue? Yeah. Um, just, I, I feel bad for him. I'm disappointed as a, as a fan. The Cubs are still playing 
like at a 600 level, I think they're seven and four. Can't remember their record. What is it? Uh, seven and four. Um, so they're playing well. They've won what five out of their last six or something. They've, they've turned a corner. They're playing well again. Does it all matter? We don't know, but the, yeah. the Suzuki strain is hurtful. Well, and and you you hit on something that's very important, uh, it, and it's that these oblique strains are, along with hamstrings, tend to be some of the most nagging injuries that a ball player can get. And so, it, and and it's it's happened elsewhere in the league. We had um, uh, Tyler Glass now went down with an oblique strain uh, there in Tampa Bay with the Tampa Bay Rays. He's out for about seven to nine weeks. Um, depending on the the severity of the strain, I mean, we've seen ball players who early on in the season have these oblique strains, and yeah, they may be projected to be back in seven to nine weeks, but it's very easy for them to re-injure that that spot, yeah. and and it could be a long-term nagging thing. And you just hope with as big as Saya is now, those injuries become even more uh, prevalent, and there's a greater chance of, of injuring yourself when you put on all that muscle. I'm a little concerned. Yeah, I. There's a comedian, was it, uh, Dane Cook. He, I think he used the word concerticus once. Concerticus. Uh, yeah, I, I am concerned as well. I, I love, I love when uh, baseball talk. If they're like, oh, seven to eight weeks, or I'm sorry, seven to nine weeks. That's two months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, like my when my kid, my kid is 36 months. You mean three years old? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> like, just tell me what it is. Really, just tell me. Right. Like my favorite, my favorite of all time for all sports is hockey. And I love hockey. It's an upper body injury. Right. Right. That could be my forehead. What the hell does that mean? I I have a loose tooth. Um, (laughs) So seven to nine weeks, but, but to your point that seven to nine weeks could very well turn into eight, eight to 12. It could, you know, three to four months. So, and there's half your, and there's half your season. So um, just to be clear, though, folks, I, I, from what I understand, and I'm just trying to verify here before I give wrong information, uh, the, the seven to nine weeks was actually specifically to uh, Tyler Glass now, who had a very similar injury. But it doesn't look like if I'm – and I don't think I'm mistaken. I don't think they actually gave a timeline for Zayas yet. They just said, of course, he's missing the World Baseball Classic, and that is a good chance he's not going to be ready for opening day. So that is at least four weeks. But again, you just never know. Right. And the in cold weather, um, mm. remember, he was tricked by um, the Cub Brass to come here. He joked. He's like, this weather isn't what you said it was going to be. And when it's in April in Chicago and it's going to be cold even into May, uh, even the, the May game we're going to is the beginning of May. And it's going to be cold. Yeah. Uh, so that so the oblique strain, he's not going to have the weather for it to it, to warm up as readily. And so is it is his body going to heal? Is it going to take that much longer? I don't know. Yeah, we will see. Um, that's a kind of a, a, certainly a big loss for that team going into the year. Hopefully, he doesn't miss too many of the of those games in April. But we will see. Um, when you look at how spring has gone for the Cubs so far, again, we're about a, a a week into games with, if you can believe it, three weeks left to go. Um, uh, but what have been the standouts for you? Who is kind of, as you watch these games, as you follow this team here in spring, what are some players that are kind of pleasant surprises right now? Uh, I, we talked about this earlier was David Bodie. He's again, hitting, what is it? 665, something like that. Um, uh, let's so, look, actually, he is down to, I say down, but it's not down 533. Okay. Yeah. Just a paltry 533. <laughs> so, um, I think he is playing for his career here. I really do. I think he's playing for his career. Um, Wisdom's actually, he's only had three at-bats, though. Um, so that doesn't really count, but he's doing well. Uh, Mancini's doing well as a DH. That's actually been a nice surprise. Yeah. I'll be completely honest with you. Yeah, he's hitting over 500, if I, if I remember correctly. Madrigal's playing 
again, surprisingly well. Um, I would say those are the, the standouts for me um, on the field, at least. Um, Pitching-wise, it's uh, – mm. oh, my God, why does his name uh, – Wisniewski. He's just Wisniewski, playing out of his – Yeah. Wisniewski. He's pitching out of his mind. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what's making me happy. Uh, Talon has been doing just fine. He's been doing as as is uh, Strope. Uh, I think we'll end up. I'm I'm going to end up losing the bet uh, the way this is going. <laughs> um, if at, least you, at least you recognize it. I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't. Yeah, see that? Yeah, that's just. Oh my god! As long as he comes back and is my guy, yeah. I'll be okay with. It. Totally. You're like, you're like I don't give a shit. I get free dinner. Well, so, no, he can come back after opening day. That's all I give a shit about. I don't, I don't care what happens after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, so the pitching, no doubt about it, has been a pleasant surprise. And you and I talked about if there's anything that this team has been developing just insanely because they failed so much in the past is this pitching. And they have some really promising arms that could be on this team for many years to come. Yeah. Um and and we know that I think uh, all of them have made uh, not all of them, um, but insofar as making an, a name for themselves and making a place to potentially keep them. Um, Fulmer's done a good job. Estrada's done a good job. Fulmer's pitched what three solid innings of relief. Yeah. Uh, no, no ERA whatsoever. Same with Keegan Thompson. No ERA whatsoever. Boxberger, his ERA is one. There's there's only one Cub whose ERA – no, that's not right. Three. Three Cubs whose ERA is three or above. Out of all the pitchers that are on that staff right now, mm. only three are above three or, or better. Uh, or worse, I'm sorry. Three or worse. So there's a lot I, – I would say – for the first time, the Cubs have some serious pitching decisions to make, which is unheard of. It's a great problem to have. I'll take that. It, it is a great problem to have. I read the other day that they currently have the 16th best, which is, you know, perfectly average, uh, the 16th best uh, farm system and, and pitching staff uh, coming up. Now, if this continues, if this trend continues and I talked about it uh, on some other channel um, then clearly clearly they're in the top 10 the way they're playing right now they're they're pitching is in the top 10 I mean right again 28 innings with one run total that's you know that's over three games that's 28 weeks no um, that's three games with um, under a run that's a, like good God yeah. And and the Cubs and I didn't I didn't know this, let alone ever that they ever even kept track of, track of this. This was the first spring training that the Cubs threw a no hitter. Yes. Yes. I, I didn't know that about like when was the last time any team threw a no no hitter in spring training? I don't know, but uh Right. I mean it, it's obviously not as exciting regular season, but it counts for something, no. right? I mean, right. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I want to go to hitter. I'm going to go back to the hitters for a second because there are two sure. folks that I'm a little surprised by slash wondering if they're even going to make the team and they're going to surprise you. So number one may not be a surprise because you have Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini in the mix. Matt Mervis is batting 118. He's got... 17 at-bats, so, you know, one of the leaders on this team in spring, and he struck out eight times. Yeah, he has been a huge disappointment. So for all the talk that you and I have had in the past about him already, hmm. um, where we thought, okay, bring him up, bring him up, bring him up, him and uh, PCA um, were like, we need to bring them up. Mervis doesn't have a chance. Unless he all of a sudden turns it around, mm. he's he's crashed hard, and and 
to that opposite effect, David Bodie is playing out of his mind. So I, it, um, I, I do tend to believe just if I don't know that he needs to continue much longer. I, I do think he will start in AAA. I just think he okay. will. I, I completely agree with you. Um, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind he, he will. Um, yeah, Bodie's hitting out of his mind. He's got 15 total bases. Mancini has 10 total bases. The two of them, like, can you imagine? So, and here's the other thing. So, Bodie's hitting out of his mind. Mm-hmm. But he's playing second base when Nico's not there. Yeah. You know you know Nico's starting. Wisdom isn't really hitting or playing much because he this is the com- this is the concern I ha- I've had from day one. Bodie's hitting out of his mind 15 at bats. Bodie uh Wisdom has had two at bats or three at bats, sorry. And he's two for three. Again, the 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 third, the designated third baseman for, for the, you know, for day one starter because it's his job to lose. But if Bodie keeps playing like this, why should Wisdom start? Uh, well, I think, I think we're, and this kind of goes into my second guy I'm concerned about here is, is if Bodie continues playing like that this spring, why wouldn't you have that guy here on opening day? I mean, he is, remember, he's versatile. This guy can play second third, both outfield corners, maybe even some first. Like, I, I even think it's more likely that he may, like you say, rebound this year. He's playing for his career, career wants to make it on this team. And then I look at a guy like Chris Morrell, another surprise this spring, batting 188, eight strikeouts as well, and 16 at-bats. Like, I, I never thought I'd be saying this, but I think maybe when you have the likes of Madrigal, when you have the likes of David Bodie playing well, Morrell could find himself in AAA too. I will, and I'm going to go back to this, and I and this isn't a uh, believe it or not, this isn't a baseball gods thing. Morel had Contreras as his big brother there. He's gone now, and I said to you before, is Swanson going to pick that that role up? And he hasn't. So Morel is on an island by himself. And a kid, because because my God, you could see when Morello was playing last year, he was playing like a super happy kid. Yeah. Uh, he, he was like the reincarnation of Frank Schwindel. God rest his soul. Um, <laughs> um, he didn't die. But, but, I know. I <laughs> Jeez. Um, I it that way. Apologies <laughs> to the Schwindel family. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, man. Um. um I mean, you loved watching him play and all that stuff. But uh, morale, I think, may be a little too soon. Yeah. He might be. And, and I think the same, uh, the, the opposite goes for Bodie. He's, like we've both said, he's playing for his career, and I think he knows it now. I think there's, I think there's, I think Bodie's hopefully focused, 100% focused on becoming a contributor and becoming a, a full time cub. Well, I'll tell you this, and I've said this about ball players for as long as I've been following baseball. Any baseball player can find lightning in a bottle, but the real all-stars and the Hall of Famers can play at a high level consistently. And so it's so easy for us as fans, and I I fall into it too, where it's like, you know, oh, a player comes up, he's killing it in the majors, and all, all you think is like, yeah, this guy's the future. Prime example on the White Sox side, do you remember in 2021 when... Your mean Mercedes just crushed oh it for two months for the White Sox. And, of course, me, the gullible, naive, just fan who just loved all of it, was like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be with us all year. He's going to kill it all year. And in May, after two months, just fell off the table and sent down to the minors and never heard from again. I mean, this stuff happens, folks. Yeah, and it, it happens more regularly than we would like to believe because we, in our minds, and I'll never forget this one, we in our minds think, well, whoever this person is, is coming up is the, is the next big thing. And, and way back, was it 08? Maybe, I can't remember when exactly, uh, but it was Corey Patterson. Everybody was, and I was not, I was not, everybody was so high on Corey Patterson. I'm like, he's too tiny. He's, he's not going to catch up to the fastball and blah, blah, blah. And then I ended up 
we ended up, myself and a few buddies, ended up going to Cincinnati to watch them play. And I met him in a bar after one of the games. And he was my size. Not like my size. You know, my size guys don't hit. They make the pros at our size yeah. and, and smaller in Altuve. Um, but you've got to be fast enough and strong enough and all of that. And Corey Patterson was just such a, a hype job. So now, now Mervis isn't a hype job, uh, but Corey Patterson was. So it, you're giving me a great idea. We got to do an episode where we're just going to pull a bunch of random Sox and Cubs players from the past out of our ass and do like a where they're at now thing. That would be fun. Ooh, and that would help. So one of the players I'm thinking about is like the, those obscure Cubs years between like 2009 to 2012, all those like rando Cubs players. And I'm thinking of one that was overhyped who was ended up being a complete dud. If you remember Brian LaHare, do you remember first baseman Brian LaHare? Yes. <laughs> yep. yep. Oh man. Too good. Too good. Um, one, guy, one guy who I liked didn't do great, but was serviceable ends up being the, the manager for the Mariners and Scott service. Like, oh, I'm like, okay. I was like to talk about where, where are they now? I was like, all yeah. of a sudden, I was like, Scott Service. I was like, are you joking? And for, and with God as my witness, at this moment, I don't even know how long he's been the manager for the Mariners. He A while. And he is one of the more respected managers in the game right now. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I was like, Scott Service. Well, and again, because I'm a National League guy, I don't really pay attention to the American League all that much. But I do know Seattle is coming to Wrigley. I remember seeing that on the schedule. Yeah. So excited to see Scott Service live. Oh, that's Scott Service live. Also, um, we're going to move over to Sox Talk here in a moment, but I would be remiss if I didn't take any opportunity to talk about our best friend, Wilson Contreras. And I texted you last week about what he said about saying that he likes the Cardinals better and that it's a better organization than the Cubs. I mean, this guy's just trying to 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 flame the fire. It, he, that's just no, what he is. No, he's not even flaming the fire. You don't think that's, so? No, he's just angry. That's just anger. It'll it'll dissipate quickly. Um, <laughs> he plays. He plays. Though he is, I've noticed he is one of those players that will. He likes to piss people off. He does, but I don't. I'm not buying it right now. I think it's it's anger for you to for you to say after you were with the Cubs for what 16 years and you've been with the Cardinals for a week and a half and you're like this is a much better organization. No way. <laughs> you did not a chance. Not a chance. Oh, I love it. I love it. I just, I, uh. and, and they're both such storied franchises that there's no way you can say that, that, that St. Louis is a better franchise. It, after it, you've been there a month. That's like, that's like going from like the Pirates to the Brewers. And oh, you're like, look at this. Look at this oh. organization. Come on. I don't, I don't know about that. I think there's a valid argument. I mean, the Cubs won a World Series. I mean, let's just be real. But you got you got to give it to the Cardinals while they have while they are always there, like they're always yeah. lurking. Which is why I hate them. <laughs> and true, and true Cubs fans, true 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 Cubs fans don't hate the Sox. They hate the Cardinals. Absolutely, because you, because you played that well you, until this year, or whatever. We played them 19 times a year, and they they were always a always a, a thorn in your side. It was like the it was like the Bears Packers all the Absolutely. time, every every game. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Cubs Cardinals is the oldest rivalry in baseball. I I think you may be right. I think Boston and New York at, Yankees and Red Sox may be right there, but it's something I have to look up because yeah. now I'm curious. Um, yeah. I think so. so. So that's all the stuff going on in the Cubs side of thing. On the White Sox side of things, I have a very big announcement for White Sox spring training. I don't know if you've heard everybody, but You're starting center field. No, no, I would love that. <laughs> I'm not as good as Luis Robert Jr. Believe it or not, no, it's hard to believe, but I'm very happy to share that a week into spring training, we have nobody injured. Nobody zero. Zilch, wrap it up, let's go home. I, that's all I care about. I want to get through the spring with no one on the IL and go into opening day 
with a full roster. That is all I care about. Yep. And it's, that's a, a that's not even a lofty goal. That's, <laughs> no. that's great. If they end up that way, that's great. I mean, they're still just playing 500 ball, but again, it's early. Does this, you know, do this, do these games matter? So I guess it's my turn to ask you which players are standing out right now and how do we know and what do we think? Yeah, great, great question. So one of the, uh, just a few here that stand out to me, stood out to me so far this spring, um, you know, we talked a lot over the last couple of weeks about really the two people that really need to step up their game from 2022 was Joan uh, Moncada and Yasmani mm-hmm. Grandal. And we are seeing, when I talked about earlier, about changes in approaches and at-bats. These two players, if you just kind of contrast their at-bats this spring with what you saw in 2022, you see some inherent differences in how patient they are and how they're approaching pitches and how they're driving the ball. And I particularly want to point out Yasmani because Yasmani Grandal, uh, thus far here this spring, is actually batting 500. Um, he has a home run under, under his belt, and that's in 10 at-bats. So he is someone that, if you look at the if you look at the tapes, He's driving the ball with authority, line drives, really getting under the ball when he needs to, and that has been reassuring, and I'm really hoping that he can carry that into the year. Um, A couple other players that have really stood out, which beg the question of what you're doing with these roster spots. You know, the Cubs have the luxury of having a lot of flexibility, a lot of options for roster spots with these guys. The Sox, not so much, where you have – really just two bench spots with many guys fighting for them. And it makes me think of Jake Berger, who has two home runs so far this spring. Um, He, though he does have nine strikeouts, he's batting 238, but the power is certainly there. Um, You have uh, Hanser Alberto, who was previously with the Dodgers last year, and he's killing it. I mean, this guy's batting 514 at-bats, killing it in spring right now. And the Sox have a hard decision. The Sox essentially have two bench spots, and they need to choose between hot-hitting on, uh, Hanser Alberto, Jake Berger that has a lot of power, Leary, Gar- Leary Garcia, Romy Gonzalez, and an outfielder. So you have all these guys that need to fit into two spots, and it's going to be a tight fit, uh, especially with some of these guys performing the way they are. So it it's very interesting to see how it's going to play out. Yeah, uh, at the moment, I mean, if I'm if I'm choosing right now, I'm choosing Alberto simply because he gets on base more. If yes, we, you know, if we if we if we moneyball the conversation, he gets on base. Yeah, <laughs> which is legitimately base. after last season, all I care about. All I right. care about. And then if you've got, um, oh my goodness, what am I going to say? If you've got, oh my. I'm sorry. No, Jimenez. If you yeah. get if, if guys like Alberto can get on, and you've got Jimenez who's con- currently crushing it, I think he's hitting close to 500, if not 500. Um, no, I think you're. I think you're right. I'm kind of curious. He is. He's at 500. Woohoo! So he's at the spring. There you go. Yeah, but so, but you are right. Yeah, so if you if you look at wanting to get guys on and get them over and get them in, he's my guy right now because why the same way with with Bowie for the Cubs, you've got to go with who's hitting. You have to. Co- correct. This is this is a this is a situation where with new new manager Pedro Grifol, and you're already starting to see in these Sox games that this team is running the bases with intention. They're getting the extra base. The brand of baseball, just in the few games I've seen this spring, is inherently different. And quite frankly, it's getting me very excited for opening day because this team fundamentally fielding, running the bases, how they approach their at-bats, it's already looking different. And I cannot wait to opening day because I think a lot of what they're doing in spring, a lot of what this coaching staff is reinforcing is is bearing fruit. Um, and especially when you look at some of these hitters that are just um, – you know, really bats a ball doing well so far this spring. So um, I'm going to tell you what I, you know, when I think about moving from the Cubs to the Sox a few years ago, um, I knew what I was getting into. Like this isn't moving from like the Cubs to the Dodgers, like calm down. But <laughs> like, like I, I was fully aware of what I was getting into. And you're, you're literally getting on the same train going this way. 
instead of the train going this way, the exact same train. Like theoretically and literally, but yes, I was, I, I, either way, and it happens to be the L, so it's an L either way. Um, But what I will say is. Same color, same (laughs) lines, the red line. Lines, the red line. Um, But what I will say is, like the last few years have been so disappointing between the Larusa thing not hitting to their potential, but but wow! I mean, I can't wait for our season prediction show here at the end of the month because I have some really bold predictions for this team, and I like what I'm seeing so far here in spring. And um, I, I'm excited to talk through it with some of our viewers and listeners because when we get into playback and we start watching games, guys, I, I know it. I'm talking for Romanelli in this one too. When we're watching games, this is when I get really nerdy. Like, this is when I really get into details. I'm looking at things. I'm looking at people, how they approach their at-backs. We're going to have a lot of fun. So yeah. um, I'm excited to get get into the get into not only watching games more on a regular basis when they count, but just being at the ballpark and seeing these guys actually show up and be their full potential, which I think is finally going to happen here. I think so, too. Um, I'm excited for the Sox for a few reasons. Uh, one, I agree about them not reaching their potential. I think Grandal was a good hire. Uh, I think those players that didn't play to their potential, I hope, I don't think, I hope they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Um, Because the only one to me that always has a chip on his shoulder is Anderson. He's the only one. I think if, if the rest of them put that chip on their shoulder, like, hey, Anderson's right. We didn't live up to the potential. We didn't live up to our expectations or each other. And we didn't carry each other throughout the season. We barely made it to 500 we need to prove to ourselves that we are the real deal. So let's go. You, I, I love that you say that because all indications out of camp from the guy's mouth is exactly that. We have a chip in our shoulder. We have something to prove. And I'll tell you what, baseball's a funny thing. I will take the team that has a chip on their shoulder every day of the week. Every day. We've seen it last year. You look at that <laughs> Philadelphia Phillies team, for example, oh, after they fired Joe Girardi. That team, they were like, F this, we're going, you know, scorched earth and look where they ended up. I mean, it. that's why I'm riding high on this team this year. I really feel it. Yeah, I would say that your feeling is hopefully correct. Um, I think out of the corner of my eye, I'll be watching a few more Phillies games just to <laughs> yes. see if that, if that same, because now the Phillies, Again, we've talked about how nobody wants to face the National or American League East at all. Yep. What I want to see is 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 Philly now that they got that taste, are they that are they really that hungry or did they just did the iron strike hot at the right time for them? Or now, you know, will they cuz again, Harper played again, I talked about how he as a as a ball player and stuff just never not that he didn't live up to but there was something about him that was missing and every single thing that could have gone right for him mm. did and you couldn't you couldn't have been happier for him and the team and and I was as a, I think as a I think both of us are almost as White Sox and Cubs fans as almost always underdogs in Chicago and Chicago baseball yeah. it was great to see the underdogs in the Phillies just come so close. Oh my God. They were so fun to watch. So I'll be watching, I'll be watching them out of the corner of my eye for sure. Absolutely. Um, well, folks, we covered a lot today, a lot of good spring training talk and spring training is certainly not over. So, um, one thing I want to remind everybody is be on the lookout on all of our social media. When you will hear from us on when our first playback watch party is going to be, we're going to get into one of these spring training games. Romanelli and I have to, coordinate schedules, look at the Cubs and Sox schedule, see what the first game coming up is, and you can be in our watch party and watch it with us. So please be on the lookout for that. Um, again, make sure you're uh, watching all of our uh, episodes on YouTube. You can actually see our faces, uh, for better or for worse. Go on YouTube, catch our episodes, um, subscribe there, um, and also listen to us anywhere that you get uh, your podcast. So next week, we're going to be talking more spring training. We'll kind of catch it live and, and give you updates. Feel free to catch us on playback when we're on there. In the meantime, thanks for watching and listening here to the Crosstown Baseball Show. We will see you next time. Go White Sox. Go Cubs. Take care. Everybody.